You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. Hello, I'm Roxanne Varza, director at Station F, the world's biggest startup campus located in central Paris, and this is Station F, the podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into the world of blockchain. So blockchain has been one of maybe the most talked about new technologies over the last decade. First introduced in 2008, and we've seen a lot of hype around the technology with a lot of expectations, a lot of disruptive potential, and uh, a lot of people believing that it will contribute to a more democratic internet. Um, but over the years, we've also seen a lot of interest kind of wane as some experiments and implementations have kind of failed to pick up or deliver. So people are getting a little bit hesitant. So now we're at the point where blockchain technology is more widely understood. Um, and we're also seeing how it can benefit individuals and companies um, in the years to come. So many people naturally associate blockchain to cryptocurrency, but obviously there's tons of other uses for the technology, so we're going to dive into that. I'm thrilled to have two Station F startups with us here today. So I have Yagoda Hebda, founder of Venetsvit, I hope I pronounced that right, yes. from Chain Accelerator Program, so hello. Hello. Uh, we also have Harry Halpin, co-founder of NIM Technologies, a startup in the Founders Program, so hello, Harry. Hiya. And Michael Amar, co-founder of Chain Accelerator, a serial entrepreneur as well. So Chain Accelerator is our program for blockchain at Station F. And he's also the organizer of Paris Blockchain Week, perhaps the biggest conference in Europe on blockchain. Amy, Hello. Michael, great to have you with us. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, I want to start off with our two startups, kind of getting a better understanding of what you guys are building. Uh, Yagoda, I'm going to start with you. I think you guys are working on a solution that allows you to detect counterfeit medicines. Is that correct? Not precisely. Not precisely. Well, then tell me what. Okay, tell me how it works. <laughs> for now, we are started to, uh, our goal is to avoid, decrease misappropriation of the uh, founts and medicine in humanitarian institution. Wow. Okay. So tell me, how does the technology actually help you guys do that? So the technology uh, will help to uh, in uh, for the auditing uh, of the all action of the humanitarian institution. So uh, we are specialized in the medicine. Uh, so when the meds arrive to target country, they are inventoried and then when they are transferred to different dispensary uh, and dispensed to the patient, all these actions are registered, the, the fingerprints of, the, of, of this action are registered on the blockchain and can be easily auditing. And because blockchain is a ledger, immutable ledger, where all transactions are, are time-stamped, all your action will be registered and you can um, delete it. If you want to tell the medicine or do something wrong, you can. We, we can stop that, unfortunately, not yet. But uh, then that will be uh, seen by, by, by the people who are auditing. Interesting. And I'm just not aware of how big of a problem is this actually? I hide big, so there are not specified number about that because because everybody won't hide that, but it's mostly about thirty percent of the of the meds that's come from Europe to the target country are stole, are lost, are we don't know what's happened because the biggest problem in the humanitarian institution is they don't have any traceability of the 
of their work in target country. So they know what's coming, but then they don't know what they're doing. Interesting, interesting. So Harry, you guys are also treating a bit of a security-related issue, but cybersecurity. Uh, tell me exactly what NIMP Technologies does. Yeah, so the way to think about uh, when you use the internet today, let's say I access a web page for my bank, and or I want to do a financial transfer, I want to buy something over Amazon or the, uh, in a Rakuten, any of these markets, that when I access that web page, there's a little lock on your web browser. And that means that encryption is encrypted. So if I'm using Wi-Fi in a cafe or at station F, someone just can't look into my connection and steal my data or understand what I'm doing. Uh, and you know what people don't really understand is before the advent of uh, encryption via what's called TLS, Transport Layer Security, uh, on the web, you couldn't even have e-commerce because your credit card details would be so easily stolen. But the problem is that we at NIM Technologies believe this is not enough. Uh, we're a privacy company and privacy is different than security. It doesn't mean just not knowing who's talking uh, with who about what. It's not about hiding the message, but actually hiding the fact that I'm talking to anyone. Hiding the fact of I'm talking to you or I'm talking to my bank. So using our technology, if someone wants to, for example, uh, access a website like Amazon, you can't even tell which website they're accessing and when. So we eliminate what's called metadata, which is who's talking to who and when. And I think that's incredibly important. That provides real privacy. And I think that's the next obvious step after security. Super. And the examples that you just gave are a lot around uh, payments and payments data, but is it going beyond that? Oh, yeah. So, for example, let's look at uh, medical data. So, if I'm accessing, for example, French insurance website or I'm, you know, even just using a search engine around trying to find out symptoms of, say, coronavirus, you know, I don't want this necessarily to leak. And currently, even with encryption, the fact that I'm going to, for example, an insurance website, a hospital website, a, a corona information website, that all leaks. And we would basically prevent that from leaking by hiding your traffic in a large crowd of traffic, making that traffic anonymous. And that's what we specialize in, and that requires a crowd. And we use blockchain technology to coordinate that crowd and essentially reward them properly for all that hard privacy-enhanced computation. Super. That's a very uh, nice and clear way to, to understand how it works. I love it. Um, so now, Michael, I'm going to turn to you. You have founded a number of companies prior to running Chain Accelerator Program. So I'm going to come to Chain in a minute and kind of everything that you're seeing in the blockchain space. But before we get there, I want to know why, how did you end up in blockchain today? Actually, it's, it's quite a long story. I started in 2009 a company uh, back in Silicon Valley called I Feel Goods, and the concept of the company was to work with Facebook that had uh, created a pre-Libra token. So already in 2009, they created something called Facebook Credits, which was their native currency, allowing you to play those games. I don't know if you remember Farmville, those kind of... Uh, of course. ...pre-mobile <laughs> yeah, you spent some time on it, I can see that. Um, as, as hundreds of millions of people. And, um, and the currency they've created was amazing so basically we had an exclusive access to their API and we were able to offer um, to people to um, Facebook credits for any action for example go into the gap store um, do a check-in and get free Facebook credits buy at Walmart get free Facebook credits so it was instant money um, direct deposit fractionable 
and uh, instant gratification. So I really saw the impact of being able to distribute money across the world instantaneously, which wasn't possible with the, our, our good old cash. Um, so working on this company, working with the pre-token um, from Facebook, I was, I was very uh, you know, uh, close to this mindset of we need a digital money. Uh, then David Marcus, the actual founder of Libra, uh, is a good friend of mine and certainly told me buy Bitcoin. Uh, I, I heard him, but I sold most of them in 2016. Yeah, I know how dumb I am. <laughs> <laughs> and when I moved back to France a couple of years ago, then I dived uh, more into the blockchain. Uh, space. Great. Well, we're thrilled to have you in the blockchain space. And I'm going to come back in a minute to kind of everything that you guys are seeing uh, with the Chain Accelerator program. Um, I just want to jump really quickly to a comment from Harry that we actually saw on the station of Slack not too long ago, talking about blockchain startups and business plans and feeling that it's viewed as rather old fashioned given that the crypto market is unstable, um, that having a three year forecast would be something just crazy. And Harry, I'd love to just hear you kind of follow up with some com comments and explanations on why you feel that's the case. I mean, I, I don't think that applies to only blockchain startups, uh, at least in any sort of pitch I've ever done. And, you know, we've raised a few million. Um, they look at a slide deck. Um, they look at your core technology. They look at the problem you're trying to solve. Uh, they don't require a business plan. Um, and the level of detail uh, which which uh, a lot of, uh, at least let's say bureaucracy I've seen here requires, and it seems that, weirdly enough, a lot of the business plans that I've seen at least required, uh, for example, uh, by various folks, I mean, they're almost more suited like a traditional business, uh, a kiosk, for example, or I'm an electrician or something. Um, and they're not really suitable to, to, to high tech startups. And the reason is that high tech startups are effectively a high risk. Uh, so it's very hard to make a three or four year uh, prediction. No one would have predicted four years ago uh, that blockchain uh, technologies would take off, that Bitcoin price would rise so high. Um, no one would have predicted, uh, you know, the fact that deep learning would have such kind of wide applications. And, and so I think the, the main thing with venture back capital, which is different uh, companies, is that they, they really need to be able to sort of say, there's a small probability of a billion dollar market here, or you know, larger, multiple billions at least. And it's really hard to fit that in like, you know, a business plan where I'm trying to say, oh, I think my office space will be like this big in <laughs> yeah. three years. And oh, here's my telephone bill. I mean, which is essentially uh, what I've been asked to do a few times. And I mean, it's fine. It's, you know, I just waste my time writing them. But uh, it would be better if people, if, if governments understood the difference between venture-backed startups and normal revenue-based businesses. And it's not that venture-backed startups don't produce value. I think in the United States, uh, the, the statistic, you know, most of the large companies, uh, all of Silicon Valley venture backed, uh, you know, 80% uh, venture back capital, even though it's a tiny percentage of overall capital, like you know, a few percents uh, at most, produces like 50, 60% of the revenue. So it's true they have a high failure rate, but when they work, they really work. And that's the sort of thing that we really need to encourage in Europe and France in particular. Super. And you mentioned, you touched upon it, that you guys have raised. So I think it's like 2.5 million round, which I think is quite sizable for a, uh, a blockchain company today, especially in France. So tell me a little bit about what would be your advice for other blockchain companies looking to raise funding? Um, it, we, we have uh, interesting, we actually have no uh, U.S. based investors. Uh, our investors were all uh, European or Asian and I just want to say that's possible and that's really amazing. That was not possible a few years ago. And I think blockchain technologies have globalized uh, the investment uh, the investment space. And that's why I think people should 
look more globally than they used to uh, for an investment. But what really, really, uh, what really helps is having just a clear plan for how the value will accrue in your in your company. And and what the weird thing is, even though we didn't, for example, uh, raise in the United States, uh, which is traditionally what you had to do, you had to move to San Francisco to, to do a raise. And I'm really glad blockchain technology allows you to not do that. Um, you know, it's it's actually better to be in Europe in terms of regulatory uh, regulations around blockchain, including France. Uh, what, what's sort of amazing is now we're finding uh, American uh, venture capitalists leaning out to us. So like, you know, A16Z Crypto, which is the Anderson Horowitz's crypto arm, uh, just joined our uh, Keybase chat yesterday. That was kind of cool. Nice. So I think that, you know, I would just really aim large and get a few key supporters who, who are well connected, who really understand uh, the potential of, of your technology. Super. And Yagoda, yeah, I'd love to hear your uh, opinion on what he just said also about the business plan being kind of irrelevant or uh, not really making sense for some of these younger companies. Yes, and so Venezuela is only uh, on the beginning, really beginning of the um, story. So we are figuring out about the business model. Uh, I can really be uh, <laughs> have a really opinion about about this. It's more like uh, for me, it's more like inst initiative to uh, convince uh, to introduce this blockchain in the humanitarian institution, and then we we are trying to figure it out the, the business model and how how to have the money from that, but. Uh, the main main goal of Venezuela is to to introduce this decentralized um, um, technology in the humanitarian institution where are uh, a lot of misappropriation of the of the of the money of the of the goods. But uh, interesting. And do you have a tough time getting people? I mean, I don't know that a number of humanitarian organizations understand blockchain understand the advantages is that is there a huge amount of work to do in just explaining how it yes, works yes yes it's very difficult to get them understand uh, so how do you do that <laughs> i don't <laughs> that's know the, that's I'm, the question. <laughs> I'm trying to explain that uh, it's like um uh, first of all everybody when you say block blockchain everybody speak a thing about the bitcoin uh, so, okay, I'm explaining that we can do other things as well. And mo moreover, the major problem is when you say public blockchain, everybody's scared because everybody's think that the old data will be public and this is really dangerous. So what people have to understand that the public, the idea of the public blockchain uh, is that your database, your, your uh, information are secure in your centralized uh, database, we can be encrypted, private, you protect it, really nobody sees it. And only the fingerprints of the um, stock movements of the transaction on different uh, things going on the blockchain and can be easily verified by everybody because there are those fingerprints of the, for me, is a medical stock, stock movement, uh, are possessed by, by nobody, are decentralized, so nobody can go inside and change the things uh, when there, there, there is a fraud. So I'm trying to explain, like, no worry, guys, your your data are safe. You will keep it your data. Only the fingerprints for auditing will be public. Everybody can see it, but nobody understands. Without connection with the database centralized, you only see the number on the public blockchain. And, okay, everybody sees it, but nobody understands. 
So when you mix this fingerprint number with your private database, you can really understand what you are looking for. Yeah, I can see why that's a very important distinction to make. And I can also understand why they probably don't uh, understand immediately that it's not a huge risk. Yes, this is one of the explanations why the company are doing private blockchain. But for me, it's not an explanation, because I just explained that the data is protected, it's safe. So I'm fully for a public blockchain is because private blockchains is centralized, so you can manipulate data, auditing, mm. and the public, you, you, can't, you don't control it. Great. Okay. And I'm now, well, we have two great startups, obviously great examples of uses for blockchain, but I'm sure you see a ton of other ones with Chain Accelerator, all the applications. So tell me about uh, some of the trends that you're seeing, Michael, and also some of your favorite uses of the technology. Yeah, what is very interesting when I compare it to a previous you know, innovation cycle of innovation is that you cannot work in silos and startups cannot work on the garage and corporates uh, in their inside labs and, and blockchains the computers you really need to work as an ecosystem because it's so complex on the technical background on the regulatory front on all fronts so we're seeing a lot of collaboration uh, that is not normally happening on other industries and and much faster much sooner um, so for example there's very large um, corporates working with startups today for example the CNES the National Center for Special something um, is is working with startups to uh, to governance and space and to um, prevent collisions between uh, between satellites for example right um, the French EDF is helping startups for example to uh, for the infrastructure um, point of view like their computer of AWS but it's a French local solution which is uh, more green than other solutions interesting um, and and for startups that uh, we like um, these days. Um, the, the, the ones focusing on cybersecurity, on traceability is, is really interesting because there is a, you know, there's a pain they solve pretty fast. So everything about hacking and phishing and, uh, and trying to uh, um, resolute issues uh, with hackers. Um, we have a company called NeedP that do, does it very well. There's an interesting company doing uh, DanaPay. They work with uh, Africa Diaspora. And sometimes when you have family there, you want to send money, but you want to make sure they use it for, you know, for food or for lodging, but not for playing games, for example. So with blockchain, they're offering a traceability to make sure that the money goes to the appropriate um, venue or, or, or decision making. Um, we have a, another company called COD. They've checked that the verified notifications, right, like the TripAdvisor advisor reviews, mm -hmm. for example, they check that they are legit, right? That you were at this hotel. That's very nice. That, that it's, it's your actual <laughs> review, and they put it on the blockchain, and they can check. Yes, he registered there. The information is on the blockchain. Everyone mm. can check. Mm, super useful. Super useful. Well, I love it. I feel like there's really a lot around kind of authenticity, security. So it actually sounds like even though people might be very scared and freaked out about blockchain and crypto, there's actually a lot of really great uses for the technology. Super interesting. And you talked a little bit about regulatory situations and kind of the need for the greater ecosystem to work together. So I'm actually interested to hear also your thoughts on the current regulatory situation in France. And is there a market leader in terms of blockchain regulation in terms of different countries? Where where do you think it the, the, the world is headed in terms of that uh, regulatory situation? So it, it's extremely complex, right? I think we can, thank whatever we think of Libra Initiative and Facebook and everything, we can thank them that they put uh, on the agenda of the main economies, right? And Very main true. ministers, the topic of the digital money. Um, 
And this is, is uh, actually what moves the needle in terms of putting it in front of the lawmakers. So actually, yeah, France with the pact law uh, has been pretty innovative. I think uh, we, we're one, if not the first country to uh, authorize token sales, um, which is like incredible. We've not been always the most We've innovative. not been the first very often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but few people know it. So this was very frustrating for us. So uh, at, at our work at Chinese Twitter is to attract people from all over the world and the biggest project, ideally, and we want them to be at Chinese Twitter inside Station F. And when we talked to them last year, they were, yeah, friends, but, you know, all the um, preconceived idea. Yeah, we're not going to buy baguettes. We don't want to come to that, <laughs> right? I was like, come on, guys. Why you know not? Baguettes are great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that we have the pact law. No, what's the pact law? Do you know that Ledger is a French company? Oh, no, really? Oh, do you know that we have good cryptographers, very good cryptographers? They didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, like many times, we do something great, but few people know what it is. Mm. So when we told them about these assets, they were like super surprised, and hence we created this conference about blockchain week. Um, so I think this is the initiative from the government um, and the Minister of the uh, Economy is is very good. It's uh, bringing signs that, uh, for example, sorry, going back, but for example, when we had this discussion with the top five players in the world on blockchain space, they didn't believe us. They came to the conference and we met them meet with the authorities here, um, 50 meters from here. Mm -hmm. And basically, they met the, the people from the AMF, the French SEC, from the French government. And basically, it's going to be announced in a few months, they are now opening the HQ in France. Wow. And I'm talking about Huge like win. two of the top five <laughs> yeah. companies in the world. Very, very nice. Well, that's nice to hear that finally France is kind of a leader in a... In a space like this. I'm interested to hear both of your opinions, Harry and Yagoda, because neither of you are from France. Do you feel the same way? Is this a great place to have a blockchain company? Is the regulation here friendly? Yeah, so I, uh, when, when we were started, we were actually originally uh, funded by the European Commission and as a research project. Uh, and uh, we actually had a whole mess with Libra, where, where Libra acquired one of our uh, French-Greek uh, co-founders, George Denisis, and luckily we got Dave uh, quit Libra and joined us back. So we've had a sort of lot of movement of, of folks, and we've been very keen on watching Libra. We've been very keen on watching the regulatory environment. Uh, when we were starting out more uh, than a year ago, uh, we were very, uh, we, we were super into the French, um, the French law de pact. I think that's a, a great law, and, and that's something that France should definitely advertise better. Um, um, that being said, we were very concerned around uh, the French banking system. So, um, you know, you don't want to put a million or two million in a bank account and have it uh, shut. And this was happening to, to friends of ours in the blockchain space on a kind of regular basis. Uh, so we actually initially uh, started out in Switzerland and are now doing uh, expanding into France, uh, primarily because we got a lot of reassurances from the local government, uh, the Canton and Neuchâtel, who's actually running one of our nodes, uh, that they wouldn't do this. Um, and I would suspect that uh, what what I think would really be a killer for France because uh, the combination of the French tech visa, which uh, makes it easy to hire foreign talent because the talent in the blockchain space is very distributed, with uh, uh, proper enforcement uh, by the French government on the banking system to say, hey, look, these companies are legal. Please don't shut their accounts down. Keep it legal. Uh, would really, I think, make France uh, the leader uh, inside Europe and 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 eventually I would say even be able to compete uh, and even outcompete uh, Silicon Valley in the United States in the space because it's, it's pretty clear that uh, at least in terms of blockchain tech uh, that part of the world is is due to regulatory yeah, problems in a downward spiral so. for the enforcement it's it's what the government can do but by law the banks have to open the accounts now and they're not doing it 
So I would say the fault is more on the banks. Oh, no, the fault's the bank's fault. I just but, think the French government, government should kick them a bit. Need, need <laughs> to yeah, need to enforce it. But basically, the, the motto from the bank, which is, is kind of, yeah, it's too complicated. It will take time. And so they try to. Mm, but we could kick things up and be a market leader in that space. Yeah. I'm, I love what I'm hearing. Yagoda, you have something to add? I am think that is already good that we started with this pact law and uh, for the cryptocurrency. So the bank, etc. is a start. I'm finding now for the blockchain will be recognize uh, and have uh, eligibility for uh, everything auditing use it uh, as a proof it is something that have to be uh, done nothing is done for now with that but it's good beginning and our president macron said that that france will be a leader in the blockchain oh, so good yeah I, I hope that will be uh, the case. Excellent. We, I think we all hope so here. Um, wonderful. Well, I'm going to wrap it up with two points from Michael. Um, obviously, we were supposed to have uh, the Paris Blockchain Week coming up. Coronavirus made it a little bit later, so we'll be having this event in December, if I'm not mistaken. What date oh, is it now? Right. Uh, December 9 and 10. Perfect. And tell us a little bit about what topics we can expect to see later this year. Yeah, so we, we are expecting 2,500 people. So it's wow. a big event with around... 120 speakers, uh, majority of them uh, coming from uh, all over the world, like over 50 different countries. So that's pretty cool. Uh, inside Station F, um, and we're going to talk about like three main things. So one on the corporate side of things, I think traceability, supply chain is is a really a recurring topic. Um, we have a lot of topic about decentralized finance, so it's DeFi, which is kind of hot topic in the industry and everything on the regulation side also um, uh, around the uh, Libra, the crypto euro, the yuan digital. Uh, those will be like three of the main uh, topics we're going to talk about. Super. So definitely not an event that people should miss. And uh, finally, I also want to end with a point on chain accelerator program. Tell me a little bit about what kinds of companies you guys are looking for, how you pick them. Yeah. So really, we try to have uh, people that change the world. <laughs> no, we need to have people very international in the mindset, right? Like, like it was said by the, um, by, by the people here, is that it's extremely international, the talent is everywhere. Uh, we need to leverage resources wherever we can find them. So we need people to be able to, to work internationally and to find talent. So we need, what we look is that at least one of the two co-founders, that need to be at least two, is needs to be very technical, very good in the blockchain space, very deep in the space. Um, that's really we audited, and uh, Nicolas was the was the head of Translator is really doing a full technical audit uh, and, and diligence on the person. And the second angle, it needs to be um, something that we can grasp pretty easily. You need to 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 resolve. Uh, I need to be able to go to corporate and pitch it and sell it with a thirty percent likelihood when I have a meeting. Mm -hmm. Basically, we want something tangible. We're not super focused on fundraising. We don't think it's the solution for everything. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we have a, an orthodox view on that. But I think, uh, as I said, you need to collaborate in this industry. So perhaps you can have co-creation, co-product building with corporates and they can finance your company as a client and not in equity deal necessarily. Great. Well, that's fascinating. I hope that any startups... Uh international killer blockchain very <laughs> technical companies listening to us will consider applying thank you guys this has been fascinating thanks so much for being here thank you thank, thank you. you all right everyone thank you for tuning in if you like this episode make sure to give us many many stars if you have any feedback we'd love to hear from you on twitter or by email at press at stationf.co and finally make sure to follow us and not miss our next episodes we are available on all our usual podcast platforms including apple Podcasts, spotify deezer and google Podcasts. see you soon